You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. On today's episode, we're discussing how changes to the last mile delivery might be the biggest change from Amazon yet. We'll be examining why you should care, how medications get to your front door, and if Darshan's favorite soft drink has changed since last week. <laughs> My name is Major, and I'm here with Darshan Kulkarni. Hey, Darshan, walk us through what last mile delivery is. You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle Podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gallup Pestle Podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. Hey, this is Darshan. Just before uh, you listen to the podcast, make sure you remember, this is not legal advice. This is also not medical advice, and um, it's not construction advice, so don't take construction advice from me. Also, this does not create an attorney-client relationship, so don't be saying that I just gave you legal advice again. Talk to a lawyer who knows you, that can give you advice that's right for you. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Major, you always have the best introductions. I really love listening to this. Um, So, it's... Last mile delivery is one of those things that came out of the telecommunications industry. It really refers to um, this idea that when you're trying to get something into people's homes, it's almost easy to get things across the country, but that last bit from the pole to uh, to, to inside your home is the most difficult part. And in the same way, that same last mile is what's very difficult for the pharmacy, the pharmacy or the pharmaceutical industry in that they actually have a decent enough supply chain, whether it's using McKesson, whether it's using uh, Cardinal, or whether it's using Amerisource Bergen to get it to your neighborhood pharmacy. But getting it from the neighborhood pharmacy into an individual home, that's the problem. That's the difficult part. And, and that's sort of why... Um, when, when I was, so I, I used to be on this condo board a while ago, and um, what our service provider, I don't want to name names, but a bunch of them, we, we had asked a bunch of them, they all charged uh, the building that I was in uh, like $20,000 to get from a pole that was literally three feet outside the home, outside the building, into the building itself and into the different rooms or the uh, different uh units within the building. So it's a huge issue. Uh, it's something that's faced uh, as a one-off in the telecommunications industry, but it's a huge deal within the pharmacy industry and the pharmaceutical industry because it has to happen over and over and over again. So it's the same exact concept being applied. Um, it also becomes slightly different in the pharmaceutical industry because Unlike the telecommunications industry where you just have to throw a pipe in or throw a, throw a wire in, in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, you have to worry about a bunch of different things. You've got to be thinking about, well, is this a, is this a controlled substance? So um, do you need to maintain special recordings, special um, monitoring, if you will? Is the product a protein, in which case you've got to prevent it from being shaken too much? Um, is it a, a refrigerated product, in which case you've got to make sure that it's, it stays at that temperature the whole time, each of which is is a problem because I'm sure those are different. Yeah. Recent uh, medical marijuana advancements with the licensing, yes. uh, I'm sure that, you know, is my transport services licensed and accredited? Is that? Great point. Uh, that might be part of the controlled substance issue, 
But in many cases, uh, as, as you know, I've done a lot, bunch of work around medical marijuana and guiding companies around that. Um, in many cases, several states re- simply refuse to allow com- uh, companies to deliver the product. You've got to come receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, what, that's one of the reasons is because it's difficult to maintain control. Now, remember the case of medical marijuana, you're actually thinking of a Schedule One controlled substance, which means that the DEA, DEA basically says it's illegal, even if your state says it's not illegal. So uh, even though in many cases, and then we can have a whole discussion about how that plays out, um, and, and whether the DEA actually enforces this and to what extent they enforce it, but the key piece being um, whoever is transporting the, this medical marijuana uh, if you'll notice, for example, it's not being transported across interstate lines, in which case does the FDA's jurisdiction even kick in? Um, all of those issues come to play as well. But yeah, I mean, your, your point's well made. Well, so right now we're talking about the last mile delivery, what it is and, and, and you know, the, the, the considerations you need to have uh, for it to you know, actually be a thing that you, you adopt. But why is this being talked about now, how is this different from how medication was delivered previous? So, so that's a great point. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what companies are doing right now. So let's sort of narrow this down. Um, right now, if a pharmaceutical company makes something, what they'll typically do is if you're a large enough company, you'll have your own distribution centers or you will go to a, if you're a smaller company, you'll, you'll go to a uh, Wholesale, uh, wholesaler or distributor and say, can you hold on to my product? Um, and there are different definitions. Each state is a slightly different definition of what that is. Um, those, those companies, those distributors will hold, hold on to your product. And within the U.S., there are three major distributors, McKesson, Amerisource Bergen, and Cardinal. Um, now, whenever you say you, uh, what, what perspective, is this, is this from the pharma company or is this from the pharmacist? Um, I don't know when I said you, so I'm having a harder time no, figuring I'm, out. What sorry, you said uh, when when you do like like so. Are, are, well, let me ask you this: are, are you speaking from the pharmacist perspective or from the pharma company perspective? When you're- I thought I was speaking from a neutral perspective, but uh, obviously it matters, and that's the reason why you asked the question. Uh, talk to me a little bit further about. So what I'm saying is, when the pharmaceutical company needs to distribute a product, they will go to McKesson, Amerisource, Bergen, or Cardinal. Okay. Um, and they are responsible, they being uh, McKesson and Marisos, Berg, uh, Bergen and Cardinal, and right now, just to say it easy, I'm going to call them MAC. Okay. Um, MAC is responsible for um, for 90% of uh, distribution within the United States, and then there's 10% that's the rest of them. Um, in some cases, the, uh, MAC will send it to other um, other smaller distributors, um, and then that gets into what's called the gray market in some cases if those distributors redirect it, but we won't get into that right now. Um, eventually, what will happen is it'll go through distributors and then be sold to what's called a GPO or a group purchasing organization. And a group purchasing organization is usually a collection of buyers who come together and say, you know what, we want to get a, a nice discount. Um, us individually um, may not have the purchasing power, so we'll come together and we'll buy the product. So um, you, you'll often see hospitals for, forming GPOs, small independent pharmacies forming GPOs, um, and essentially they'll come together and say, we have tremendous purchasing power and we want better rates, which is how they'll be able to lower their purchase price 
um, when they're buying from these distributors. Then the GPOs will redistribute the product to the different um, pharmacies, um, and, and the, that will be the final method of the product going from the pharmaceutical company to the pharmacy. What's, key, what's a key piece now is that um, the, these uh, GPOs um, and these pharmacies, that's really where that process stops. There's a whole discussion right now about tracking it all the way to the patient, and it hasn't really happened. People are talking about that. There are alternatives, and, we're, and we're, this is part of the reason we're discussing it, uh, about how other companies are starting to um, rediscover this last mile delivery. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further in this talk. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I know yeah. I know that you know we keep talking about Amazon, right? So yeah, but, but just to pull them back into the discussion with regards to their uh, current, you know, franchise opportunities with delivery services, that yeah. could definitely t- that like so. So the reason I asked earlier about are you talking about it from the perspective last month delivery from the perspective of the pharma company versus the pharmacist to the patient uh-huh. because there's yep. two different tracks there, right? So last mile delivery, I understand it's from. It's however the patient receives it. So if they receive it from the pharma company or whoever's distri- distributing the, the medication, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, my understanding is it's currently uh, there are definite limitations to what can be shipped and what can't be shipped. Um, right. It, you know, the more extreme or more restrictive uh, medications, they have to go to the pharmacist. Uh, I'm, there's this you know litany of of, of uh, verification methods to make sure that the prescription is correct and that it's you know that's its own process but right with regards to amazon their step into the delivery realm i'm sure that's got to be some sort of advancement or some step in that direction so so there are at least six new ways that we're changing how medications get to patients Let's talk about the oldest one of these six new ways. Now, is it six new things, or are you doing the whole Steve Jobs with one extra bonus? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's six for now. We'll okay. find out if I think of something else. Oh, but at this moment, it's six. Right. Uh, <laughs> so what's the first one? Um, the first one is this idea that it's, been, it's happened before where the pharmaceutical company will say, you know what? We directly are going to sell to patients. We're going to avoid all the middlemen. We're going to avoid going to Amerisource version. We're going to avoid going to these uh, GPOs, avoid pharmacies, and directly ship to patients. Oh, wow. That's a, that, that was one method that was uh, done. But it's been done very um, not very often. It's, it's not a common thing. Doesn't that um, have its own I, I, series of issues? It does. Uh, for example, if you are a pharmaceutical company, one of the things you have to be aware of is um, only a pharmacy. It ha- you have to send a prescription product in response to a prescription, in which and it's uh, it has to be done through a pharmacy for the most part. In which case, these companies are often creating their own pharmacies, uh, which may raise their own issues of and that kickback and false claims and stuff like that. So I assume that they're managing that there are. uh, several different vertically integrated companies so there are ways of managing that risk but um, I know for example uh, Bidel was doing that a lot of vertically integrated companies uh, like um, Davida and uh, Fresenius also have their own systems that not only make the product but also give it to the patient so there are ways of doing that being vertically integrated but that was one key piece Um, 
and, and again, when I talk about Davida and Fresenius, that's a unique way by itself because it's not going to the patient's home, but uh, both of those are dialysis type systems. So it's going to the dialysis center where the patient receives it in the dialysis center. Um, there, the other unusual one was, like I was telling you, I think it was Bidel, um, and that one was being shipped by the pharmaceutical company directly to the patient's home. But it wasn't a controlled substance. It had a very small market. I don't know if it really ever picked up to the same extent that you would have thought, um, but it, and it was being only used for one product. So um, they really needed a nice margin. That's why they tried to get rid of, um, they tried to reinvent the distribution process. But that was one of them. Amazon is, um, has come in and they are talking about rediscovering the, the, the delivery process. What Amazon's really good at, as we know, is distribution. Um, their concerns are different, however. Amazon's been, um, Amazon's had concerns with, ha with ensuring that the product meets specifications. So uh, Amazon- The product or the delivery process itself? Both, actually. So there, there are concerns, for example, that, for example, if you go to try to buy a Louis Vuitton on Amazon, um, it's very common to not get what you paid for. Like, uh, well, the third party I, I, seller, I mean, I'm sure Amazon has its exactly. own fulfillment services and there's exactly. varying levels of uh, quality assurance because of, of the source of the material. Exactly right. So when Amazon itself is responsible for the whole caboodle, they tend to be very good at it. Um, but it's when they bring in other third parties that they seem to have problems. Like I bought a pair of sunglasses and they were very good at it and their, their customer service was excellent. But the, the pair of sunglasses I got were fakes. You know, so, I, I ordered uh, lawnmower blades, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Empty envelope. Oh, really? See, yeah. There you go. That, <laughs> I mean, that it was exactly quite away pretty concern. quick, but, it, you know, the fact that that happens. I've heard of larger purchases, actually, uh, the customers receiving boxes of rocks. That's what I've heard, too. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I've heard of exactly that. So that's one thing to happen to lawnmower blades. It's right. another thing to happen to someone's life-saving medication. Right. And that's what Amazon has to fix. They have to make sure that they have better processes in place. Well, there's all these variables so, when you're shipping to someone's home, right? Is the address correct? Can they even receive packages is is correct you know can, can the person not everybody's home or you know correct. is it outside is it the apartment building like that's you know right. it's a pretty solid issue exactly exactly so that's what amazon is trying to do one of the things they also tried to get into is um what about the sure lockers you, right the amazon lockers that's that's something yeah that that might be one of the ways they try to control that but again that's part of the delivery right, right. how do you ensure the product itself is is appropriate, and Amazon's going to have to figure it out. They might have to. They might directly go to the pharmaceutical company and say, "We will be your distribution facility. We will buy directly from you, and then ship to patients." Now, to be clear, uh, and, these these yeah. snafus that we've experienced or that we're discussing are strictly related to third party sellers with Amazon fulfillment, because the fulfillment process is generally automated. So, or right. if it's not automated, then it's you know it's. It's it's its own issue uh, with regards to exactly labor practices, right. uh, but exactly right. But they're not concerned about the content. They're doing what they're told, and they're not there for quality assurance. Correct. That is exactly right. So all those pieces. We're talking more about um, at, at this moment. We're talking about a third party deliver, a third party um, purchaser, if you will, and sell right. us third party seller, if you will. Um, but then there's a second piece, which is the delivery itself. 
and Amazon's trying to figure out how to make that happen. And what they've done, come out and said is, uh, we will pay, uh, we, we will enable individuals to essentially become their own business owners. Yeah, that's a franchise opportunity. Those, right, right. Exactly right. Um, they'll, they'll become their own delivery people. Uh, which is an interesting method by itself. So they we'll put a dollar amount on it. Up. They said ten thousand dollars. This is yours. It's like okay. is, is that right? I didn't see the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was ten thousand. Like for some reason, I kept hearing ten thousand. Like that was, you know, I'm sure there's more costs that go into it, but that that sure. was an amount that was tossed around. That's not interesting. Um, then there is uh, UPS has come out and said that they want to get into uh, the shipping and delivering process. So we'll see how that plays out. What was also interesting is several years ago, Amazon was scaring UPS and was scaring FedEx and the like because they said they actually want to get into third-party logistics itself. Um, so they'll create their own planes and fly them all over the world. So that might be interesting. Because since you, since Amazon was going to UPS's market, I guess UPS said we'll start coming into the pharmacy market as well. Then there is this other method which is saying um, if we can bring the medication to the patient, we'll bring the patient to the medication. And that's where Lyft and Uber are saying we'll actually deliver patients. They're huh. saying that more in the context of delivering patients to doctor's offices, but no reason they couldn't very easily expand that to pharmacies themselves. And then there's obviously things like Uber Eats and uh, all these other companies that will say <laughs> Uber Eats medications. Postmates. <laughs> well, Uber medications or or uh, what, is, what is it? Postmates does something similar as well. Med Uber. Yeah, MedUber, if you will. Right. So that could be a very easy expansion for these companies. Um, and the last one that, again, we're going to briefly talk about because we're it's so weird. Out of time. Would, would the Uber yeah. drivers be compensated through some like would they? Would you pay them a copay? And I mean, I mean, just just you know, spitballing. But in terms of yeah. compensation, that that's that's so weird. Yeah, but the, the bigger question is how do you ensure that the Uber driver didn't take three pills? And, and what happens if he did? Or, and what happens if there's a discrepancy? Do you blame the Uber driver or do you blame the pharmacy? But we're talking in, with regards to the Uber situation. That's when the patient is transported. Oh, oh sorry. You, you meant Uber delivery. Uh, Uber patient delivery, not Uber. Uber uh, delivery. Uh, right. Uber Eats. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not Uber Eats. It's just yeah. so. <laughs> anyway. Uber's are all over. For so, sure. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, yeah moving on. Um, the last one. The last one was was drones, and that's again going to be that last mile. Amazon oh, Amazon's drones, that. right? Yeah, that's not um, a thing yet, but I, I mean, it's definitely. I, I want to say that I've seen traction on that. They still have pages up with regards to like hiring practices or or or, or uh, you know, essentially a call for a call for resumes <laughs> or applications. Yeah. They've been doing a few different things around that. I happen to have my own like drone that I bought just to play around with it, and um, it's, it's a neat toy, at least for myself. I know some people really enjoy doing more with it, but there are problems. For example, um, there the the FAA um, has limitations on where drones can go. Right. Um, there, there's there are weight limitations, which may may not be the worst thing in the world. We only talk about bills here, mm-hmm. um, but each of those are going to start becoming real concerns when you're doing deliveries. So we'll see how that plays them, plays itself out as well. I really um, want a pizza and, by a drone. That'd be so great. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, right? So it delivers things um, to a central location, uh, often right outside your door. What happens if your dog takes that? What happens if uh, it falls inside a puddle? Uh, what happens during a storm? Um, all of those factors need to be considered. 
Um, and, and again, they will be, but these are these are factors that companies like Amazon are going to have to think about as they keep going and start figuring out last mile delivery. Because in this new patient-centered movement, where you've got to make sure that the patient comes to first, we've got to make sure that patients get access to their medications when they want access. Mm-hmm. That's really going to become the big, um, big change as we start thinking about it. So we talked about a lot today with regards to last mile, right? So, you know, we went through what it was and its purpose and the, the difficulties that it currently has. We explained the old methods and the current, you know, the, 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 the possibilities of what could happen with Amazon, Lyft, Uber, UPS. Hey, this is Darshan. Thanks for listening in. I really want to talk to you. Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at, at FDA Lawyers. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Darshan Kukarni. And if you want to find me any other way, well, start with Twitter, but you can always email me as well. Darshan at conformlaw.com. Thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to hear from you.